Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. Well, the Senate border bill looks like it's going down. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in the House. We're going to talk to Senator Tom Cotton, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, former Trump official Steve Miller. Plus, the economy is stronger than expected, but it may be all about government spending going to wind up doing greater harm. We're going to talk to Steve Moore and E.J. Antoni. America's broken, but we can still fix it. And happy birthday, Ronald Reagan. We'll get back to that happy thought in just a moment. But first up, let's head to the White House, where our own Edward Lawrence is standing by. Edward, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Larry. And yeah, President Joe Biden made the debate over the public, over the, uh, the supplemental funding bill, very political. In fact, he added an event to his public schedule today and then in that event blamed everything on former President Donald Trump. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. It's time for Republicans in the Congress to show a little courage, to show a little spine, to make it clear to the American people that you work for them, not for anyone else. But President Biden did not mention the series of executive orders when he first got into office and the policy changes from former President Trump that led to scenes like this at the southern border. In addition, the text of the bill came out just this week. As Republicans started to read it, more started to voice opposition. Now, the House Speaker saying this bill is dead on arrival. Many of his Republican colleagues agree with that move not to bring it up if it passes the Senate. I think the American people are going to be suspicious why this president is uh, promoting this when he's been declaring the border as secure and with his administration in operational control and not the terrorist cartels. So I think there's a lot of irony here. But but the but the bill is dead on arrival. I don't even think the bill will come out of the Senate. It shouldn't. As this political drama is uh, heating up, the, the House right now is debating impeaching uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for not enforcing the border laws. Also, the House expected to take up a bill for an Israel standalone aid package at $17.6 billion. Larry. All right, Edward Lawrence, thank you. As always, we appreciate it very, very much. All right, folks, I've got some breaking news. Today is Ronald Reagan's 113th birthday. He was born on February 6, 1911, thereby making 1911 one of the greatest all-time years in American history because Reagan was one of our greatest presidents. 
He reversed America's declining economy and stature around the world. He restored the idea of freedom. You could say he was the first Make America Great president in nearly a century. Take a listen to this. Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. All right, there you have it. Freedom, a fragile thing. Anyway, there's way too much you can write and talk about praising Ronald Reagan. But let me throw out a few historic snippets in honor of today, his birthday. Reagan's foreign policy aimed squarely at defeating Soviet communism, and he succeeded. Peace through strength. We win, they lose. Tear down this wall. Reagan wouldn't even talk to Soviet leaders in his first term because they're bad behavior. And many of them were dying off anyway. In a second term, he did meet with Gorbachev, basically said he'd never give up so-called Star Wars technology that protected us against Soviet or other enemy missiles. The liberal media laughed at Star Wars. But today, it's an absolute cornerstone of our national security. On his radio program, he once warmed up by saying, we will bomb Moscow in 15 seconds. And, of course, he said, just kidding. Was he? Well, the communists were afraid of him. And Reagan understood the integration of economic and national security policies. Reagan slashed taxes and deregulated industry while working with Paul Volcker to slay double-digit inflation. He reawakened the supply side of the economy, rescued the faltering dollar, and showed how strong growth and a stable currency were able to bring down skyrocketing prices and boost middle-class wages. While Reagan's rejuvenated economy was growing better than 5% throughout the 80s, at one point the recovery from Jimmy Carter's recession was running about 12%. The Soviet Union's Gorbachev realized he could never match America's production of either defense or civilian goods. And if Gorbachev tried to bluff, Reagan wouldn't let him. So the Soviets folded. Essentially, not a shot was fired. Strong at home, strong abroad. A big Reagan lesson. Reagan tried to drain the Washington, D.C. swamp. He wasn't always successful, but the Eastern establishment and the elites didn't like him one bit. Listen to this one. Nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Sound familiar. Working folks flocked into the Reagan-led Republican Party. Here's a guy who not only whipped the soaps, but filled their lunch pails to overflowing. Now, I was an associate director of Mr. Reagan's OMB during his first term. I loved it. There was some limited face time with a couple of cabinet presentations to him, then sitting along the back wall at some other cabinet meetings. And the Gipper gave me a little medal when I said goodbye to him in the Oval. One thing above all, he taught me about optimism. America is the greatest country in the history of history. And when it occasionally seems broken, it can get fixed very fast with the right principles and the right policies. So I say happy birthday, Mr. President Reagan. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Joining us now is Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and my great friend Steve Miller, founder of America First Legal former Trump senior policy advisor. Welcome back to both of you. Uh, Congresswoman Green, I hope you didn't mind little Reagan birthday ode. Somebody's got to do it. I decided I would try it today. Um, let me ask you, though, current events. 
What's going to happen on the floor of the House? The Senate uh, border bill looks like it's dead in the water. Uh, the Speaker said it's going to be dead in the water, dead on arrival in the House. So what's your forecast? Is anything going to come out of this whole episode? I can tell you right now, Larry, it is dead on arrival. As a matter of fact, I've told the House uh, Hill press to stop asking me about the Senate border surrender bill because we could care less anything about it. We passed H.R. 2, the strongest border security bill, to come out of the House. The Senate should take up H.R. 2 and take it seriously because that's the only way we can secure our border at this time. Uh, that's what we're doing right now. The floor debate is happening on my articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. That is the task we are undertaking, and I really hope to see my colleagues vote yes to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Is there a vote tonight, Marjorie, or tomorrow? When do you see that vote? The vote is coming up soon. We are just a few hours away. Right. We've been debating uh, my articles of impeachment right now. Uh, that floor debate is still going on. All right. Uh, thanks for that. Listen, that was your thing, so good luck on that. Steve Miller, I want to ask you about this. Um, President Biden today blaming the whole thing on Donald Trump. Here's what's so great about this, Steve Miller. A week ago, Mr. Biden said there was no problem on the border. He had closed the border. There was no problem, immigrants, nothing. Now it's Donald Trump's fault. I'm trying to square that, Steve Miller. Either there is a problem or there is not a problem, but you can't have it one week and then completely change and then just lay it off on Trump. I'm going to argue that will not fly in this election. Well, when it comes to the border and immigration, it has been three years of never ending lies and deceptions from this administration. And Mayorkas is a pathological liar when it comes to the border. He's been testifying for years in front of Congress, which, of course, constitutes false statements to Congress. The border is secure and the border is closed and people are being deported who don't have a right to be here, all of which were lies, all of which are untrue. And, of course, the administration tried to pretend for three years there wasn't a border invasion, but eventually the images, many of which we can thank Bill Malusian for here on Fox News, eventually the images that everyone has seen of the invasion made that lie impossible. Mm. Let's get to the very simple fact at the heart of this. You said it before, but it can be repeated endlessly because it has to. Joe Biden inherited the most secure border in history. Mm. On day one, he terminated the essential Trump policies that kept the border secure, and then he kept terminating in the weeks that followed every last remaining Trump policy that had kept the border secure and resulted in a complete deterrence, denial, and deportation strategy. And instead, he implemented the mass release and resettlement policy. This whole debate comes down to a very simple question. The Trump policy, cross illegally, get deported. The Biden policy, cross illegally, get resettled. Everything else is just noise, just distraction, just obfuscation. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't understand. I'm not a big fan of massive omnibus-type legislation. I don't think you are either. Steve Miller's not. There's a law, Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act. All right? That law has been on the books for a while. The Supreme Court ruled on it a few years ago and supported that law. And under that law comes Remain in Mexico, comes Title 42, comes a lot of the Trump policies about catch and deport, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't we just use that law? 
We, I don't, do we need another law? I mean, H.R. 2 looks like a good bill to me. I don't know what it'll look like when it comes through the meat grinder and so forth. We have, we have a law in the books. Why don't we just enforce the law? Well, Larry, you are speaking too much common sense, which is why I absolutely love you. This is why we are impeaching Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, because he is not only violating his oath of office, he is actually breaking that strong federal immigration law as we speak. He is mass paroling millions of illegal aliens into the interior of the United States. He's not holding them and keeping them in ICE detention centers. And he is literally, literally causing the invasion by creating his own policies without coming to Congress and asking us to create laws to do the things that he is doing to our country. He's causing murder, rape, crime against Americans, and 300 Americans are being murdered every single day from Chinese fentanyl that is smuggled across the Mexico border. This is an absolute invasion, and Mayorkas is breaking the very law that you just quoted, Larry. Yeah, Steve Miller, on this, uh, looking at this Senate bill, uh, 5,000 people a day, 8,000, I don't know, there are too many thousand people a day. Uh, there's paroling loopholes, there's asylum loopholes. Uh, I got a mayor here in New York City that's going to give uh, all the illegals prepaid, prepaid credit cards so they can shop around, which I guess is better than going into the stores and looting them or kicking cops around left and right. But, you know, Steve, uh, once upon a time, you and I and some others in the Trump administration, we said, well, you know, with respect to legal immigration, why wouldn't it be such a bad idea if you spoke English or you knew a little American history, maybe the Declaration of Independence, something called the Constitution. Um, maybe you had a job before you came in. In other words, those simple common sense criteria for legal immigration are nowhere's, nowhere to be found. I haven't heard anybody talk about that stuff in the Senate bill or anything else. I mean, is it too much to ask that if you want to come here, and become a legal citizen, which is a very big deal. It's the greatest country in the world. You ought to know a little something about the country, speak the language, um, and, by the way, have a job so you can be productive. Was that a bad thing, Steve Miller? Because I don't hear anybody talking about that. Well, once again, Larry, you are talking too much common sense for me and Marjorie. But what I would just say about this is that President Trump not only advocated for all the policies that you're describing— but he began implementing them because, once again, there were laws on the books that had gone unenforced for decades, requiring you to be fluent in English, to be naturalized, requiring you to be economically self-sufficient, to get a green card, requiring you to have an attachment. It's in statute, an attachment to the principles of the Constitution of the United States. Smarter people than those who serve in Congress today wrote good laws way back when. And very terrible people in the federal government spent years and years and years not enforcing the laws that are on the books, both when it comes to the border and when it comes to who gets permission to come here legally. Biden ripped out those policies, too. And a new Trump administration, I can assure you, Larry, will put back into place all the policies you just described and many more just like it. And to my friends in the House, I would say, start talking about this publicly, the simple, basic right. things everybody can understand. You should speak English. You should be self-sufficient. You shouldn't be on welfare. You shouldn't be able to bring in 20 people just because of a thing called chain migration. You should have to be committed to the basic principles of our democracy. 
All of these ideas are things that have 80% support among the American public. Get out of the nonsense, this albatross, this morass of complexity that the Senate bill represents and talk about simple, basic things every thinking yeah. person can understand. Um, I'm going to give Marjorie the last word because, Marjorie, you have helped keep this issue alive for months and months and months and months uh, before it became fashionable, probably. Um, but I would just add, you know, I think what has absolutely put this on the front pages and going to stay on the front pages throughout this presidential election and Senate and House races and so forth is that when you break the law, bad things happen. So you break the border law, you break the laws of sovereignty that we already have on the books. And Marjorie, it, it runs, it trickles, it matriculates through the entire country. We have lawlessness in the sanctuary states. We have lawlessness in the sanctuary cities. We have illegals kicking cops around, and we don't have public people defending the cops, the blue line, as I like to call them. I mean, the, the, there are a lot of things in America, unfortunately, that have been broken under Joe Biden. But the lack of law and order in some respects is the absolute worst. I'm going to give you the last word. Well, I'm so happy you started with President Reagan's birthday because in President Reagan's era, those things really mattered to us, Larry. And it still matters to most Americans. Americans are grieved at the state of our country. And this is why Americans are supporting President Trump like never before, to bring him back to be president. And we know and we trust President Trump. Mm. We had him for president for four years. Border security was his number one issue. And border security now is his number one issue for his next administration. And it's the number one issue to Americans all over the country. Law and order matters to Americans. Mm. It matters to every single voter. It's not a party line issue. And I thank you, Larry, uh, for bringing these issues up and making a point because regular everyday Americans care about this. We want to save our country and we want a strong, safe America uh, for, for our children and, and for our future. Yes, ma'am. And thank you for your Amen. service. We appreciate it very much. And Steve Miller, I always thank you. I've made a career out of thanking you. Because you're the smartest guy around. <laughs> Likewise, Barry. <laughs> Congressman Likewise. Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia and the great Steve Miller. All right, folks, coming up here on Cudlow, government spending is driving the economy. Okay, I know the economy is stronger. No question about it. Economists, including myself, got it wrong. But it's government spending, and that is not good, and it is not sustainable. We got Steve Moore, EJ, and Tony from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And then remember, with all this, today's Reagan's birthday. Don't forget that. That's very important. Remember, you can catch Cudlow Monday through Friday every day, 4 p.m. right here on Fox Business. And if for some reason you can't catch us at 4, just text your favorite 9-year-old, and she'll show you how to DVR the show. And you will never miss a single historical footnote about the great Ronald Reagan. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations, 
or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Too much government spending, too much money printing, too much borrowing. Ronald Reagan would never approve. Let's bring in Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline and host of More Money on WABC Radio and E.J. Antoni, economist at the Heritage Foundation. All right, we're going to put up your. You guys have some good charts in the hotline today. Mm-hmm. One of them spending six trillion dollars, if I'm not mistaken. It's probably more than that. Is it six trillion or five trillion? Whatever. But we know. All right. So the economy has outperformed what the economists thought, including myself, including you, including everybody. But, 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 but. Unfortunately, a lot of this is because of government spending and government jobs, not private sector investment and private sector jobs. So here's the first chart we put up on the full screen. Um, We're going to do something about this. (laughs) I ask you, Steve Moore. Well, first of all, thank you for celebrating Reagan's birthday. And I want to remind you that when we did our survey, which you participated in, who's the most underrated president of modern times, Number one was Calvin Coolidge, a tax cutter. <laughs> and you know who number two was? It was Reagan. Ronald Reagan. I People <laughs> almost forget it. No, they almost So, um, look, $6 trillion of spending, I regard it as like a uh, snake uh, swallowing a bowling ball. Mm. <laughs> you know? And it's trying to make its way through the system. And we will be, for decades, you know, paying for this success. And then, of course, that second chart is the one of what the Fed did, which it was raise the uh, amount of money on its balance sheet that it owns. It was buying up assets which pumps more cheap money in the economy Let's went from there, there it is went from 4 trillion to 9 trillion now it's come down you can see a little bit by a trillion but that's a lot of money that's that's just uh, slashing out there in the economy i don't like it i want to see the federal reserve re- reduce their balance sheet and i want to see congress cut a trillion dollars out of the budget yeah they really i mean they should do it right away you know ej uh, inflation has come down yes But government spending, I would argue, is inherently inflationary. You're not producing goods. You're just producing temporary demand stimulus. Larry Lindsay, by the way, distinguished economist, former Fed chairman, former NEC director, and lots of things, uh, is writing about this. I know you've written about it. Actually, if you took out the government spending part, the Biden performance of the last year, which has been better than expected, ain't that good. Right, exactly. And, and actually, go- the government spending component, government expenditures, really, has been growing faster than consumer spending. But I think it's worth noting that that government mm-hmm. spending portion of GDP, we usually call it government spending. It doesn't actually include all of government spending. It just includes what government purchases directly. So when they cut a check to someone else, let's say for welfare, for example, and that person goes out and spends, it doesn't get counted in government spending. It gets counted in consumer spending. So the, the portion 
portion of the economy that's actually uh, controlled by the government is much larger than it appears. Well, let me give you an example of that, by the way, Larry. The I, last year, just to yeah. put this in GDP terms, yeah. the last year, real GDP increased 3.1% in real terms. But yeah. the government grew at 4.3%. Right. Government actually grew faster than right. private consumers right. grew, which is really yeah. quite unusual. So, you know, a lot of people like Larry Lindsay and others, I agree with them. We should talk about private sector GDP. Yes. Because the private sector right. creates GDP. Government spending is a negative, especially government spending is a negative when you're running a trillion and a half dollar deficit. But I was going to add something to what EJ was saying. You know that the two biggest components of uh, fastest growth in the economy and fastest employment have been government and health care. Mm. So this, take, this is a, you know, what, what E.J. was saying. Half of the health care system is paid for by government. It's, it's Medicare, Medicaid, all these other government programs. So we're not growing the economy where we want it. Where's the investment in new businesses? That's it. By the way, Lindsay says, uh, I'm only quoting him. I know you pay a fortune to get his newsletter. <laughs> I get it because I'm an old friend. But it's, this is not a new one. This is uh, several days old. But he basically says business... Private business may well be in a recession. And, uh, you know, Mark Skousen of California has yep. this uh, gross output measure, mm -hmm. which is basically business-to-business -business yep. spending. That thing has been dropping for several yep. quarters in a row. Now, not in the fourth quarter, to be sure, but it dropped in late 22 and the first half of last year, 23. It's just interesting that the government is distorting these numbers. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you look at, uh, speaking of business, fixed private investment, I mean, that's basically been flat for essentially a year and a half mm -hmm. now. So th the idea that, that you can somehow put off a recession by the government spending, borrowing, and just printing more money, I mean, I suppose that's true in the short run, but you can only kick that can down the road so long. Yeah, well, I, th I just, um, inflation may not be dead. In other words, the numbers are the numbers. Mm -hmm. I, I myself thought last month's jobs report was a good report. I don't mm -hmm. want to quibble over little mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, the GDP is growing. Everyone wants to politicize that. But when you look under the hood, maybe it's not such a good thing. And the other point uh, John Carney made last night from Breitbart, yeah. you know, inflation may not be dead. It looks dead, but it may not yeah, be I, dead. I don't and think government spending is inherently inflation. I mean, the one sector that's really doing well is our technology sector. Yes. Thank God. You know, we yes. have the best. There's a story about how our companies are just blowing away the competition. We're blowing away the Europeans. We're blowing away China right now. And, and what's really annoying about this is, you know, it's the one sector that's pr providing in 401k plans. And what does the Biden administration want to do? Break up these two companies. You know, they're some too are, successful. Some Since when is profit a dirty word? Some Republicans do, yeah, too. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's better to have American tech companies than Chinese tech companies. better believe it. So they're the greatest in the world. Um, all right, we're going to let you go. You're running a big dinner tonight. Pulsey. Pulsey Gabbard. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to say you got to turn her into a Republican. I, no, you're not. <laughs> that's another segment. Steve Moore, E.J. Antoni, thanks very much. Government spending, not good. Reagan would not approve. Senator Tom Cotton is going to tell us why he's opposing the Senate's terrible border deal and what may come after it. And then why is America broken? And how do we fix it? Joe Concha, Monica Crowley, all that when Cudlow returns. And remember, whoa, here's one, Cudlow, available as a podcast. Episodes available every weekday, right after the show, on Spotify, on Apple, and on foxbusinesspodcast.com. I am a podcast, truly. See you later.
So, Save America, Kill the Bill. There's a new thought. Anyway, we welcome back uh, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton uh, to talk to us about Senator Cotton. As always, good to see you. Uh, I'll just I'll begin with the question I ask everybody. Why do we need new legislation? We got laws on the books that would cover a good uh, border control policy. We just don't use them. Well, Larry, we hope to get legislation that would restrain the hands of a president unwilling to secure our border, Joe Biden. The crisis you see at the border is a man-made disaster, and the man is named Joe Biden. The border was basically closed and secure when Donald Trump left office. Joe Biden spent the campaign in 2020 inviting the rest of the world to come to America illegally, and they implemented those policies. So what we hoped to do was find ways to pass a law that would restrain an unwilling president, not to empower a willing president, but we've seen what the Democrats' offer is, and we've seen that they are ideologically invested in open borders. This bill would not force President Biden's hand to close the border and secure our nation. That's why I can't support it, and that's why it appears not to have the votes to move forward this week in the Senate. Well, look at, I don't want to quibble, I'm just saying... Uh, since this president wouldn't abide by the existing laws on the books, what makes you think he'd abide by any new pieces of legislation? I don't buy it. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, it's a lousy piece of legislation. Senator Cotton, I want to ask you, though, there's another part of this stuff which has sort of been ignored but um, has national security implications. There's money for Israel. There's money for Ukraine. There's money for Taiwan. Uh, what's going to happen to those parts of this uh, bill? Well, that's to be determined, Larry. The House of Representatives is considering this week a, a bill that would provide aid to Israel. I support such legislation. I think we should try to move forward with that legislation promptly. Israel needs that support. And there's traditionally broad bipartisan uh, support for aiding Israel. Uh, unfortunately, I, I see that House Democratic leaders today announced that they would block that, uh, apparently in part because it doesn't provide enough money for Hamas, the governing authority in Gaza, and because Joe Biden said that he didn't want to just aid Israel, which is not surprising if you look at his rhetoric directed towards Benjamin Netanyahu and the government of Israel. But I hope the House can move that legislation soon and that we take it up promptly, because that's one thing that traditionally both parties can agree on, that we should, we should support our great ally Israel, especially when they're facing an existential war against Hamas, which committed such terrible atrocities against Israelis on October 7th. Senator, just to pause a bit on that last point, um, you're referring to so-called humanitarian aid, I think, and the humanitarian aid. We now know the U.N. relief workers, uh, so many of them are pro-Hamas, and we know that uh, Hamas tends to run the distribution of that. I don't know. Is that what you're referring to? That would be a good thing not to do. Yeah, Larry, that's exactly what I'm referring to is so-called humanitarian aid to Gaza. Remember, when humanitarian aid, food or medicine or what have you, goes into Gaza, it's not diverted by Hamas. It's not stolen by Hamas. It is handed over to Hamas. Mm. Hamas is the governing authority of Gaza. It's the de facto government. Mm. So anytime food, water, medicine goes into Gaza, especially under these conditions, it's not going to so-called innocent civilian. It's going to hungry, thirsty, and wounded Hamas terrorists. Mm. Last one, Senator Cotton. Um, did the administration get it done with respect to this so-called retaliation in Syria uh, and Iraq and I guess the Houthis? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, this was a... Uh, 
predetermined, pre-announced. We're not going to touch Iran. A lot of people, a lot of military people are very skeptical that they got it done. Uh, column in the Wall Street Journal today about how Iran is really running our policy. What's your take on this so-called retaliation? No, President Biden's very limited, very hesitant, telegraphed attacks against Iranian proxies did not deter Iran. And that's not my opinion, Larry. It's not your opinion. It's a simple fact because the attacks have continued. As I said last week, the measure of success will be, does he scare Iran straight? Do these attacks stop? That's what happened when President Trump killed Iran's terrorist mastermind, Qasem Soleimani, in 2020. It's what happened when Ronald Reagan sank half of Iran's Navy in 1988. Right. When they hit Iran where it hurt, the Ayatollahs were scared of America, as they should be, and the attacks stopped. That's not the case now, and it won't, won't be as long as President Biden only strikes Arab proxies and militias and terror groups because Iran doesn't care about those proxies. They are laughing at America because all we're doing is validating the proxy strategy they have used to kill Americans for 30 years. I don't understand it. I agree with you, Senator Cotton. You know more about foreign policy than I do, but I think you're spot on. I mean, I, I think Iran is running us. We're not running them. I mean, we're, we're more worried about escalation. Iran's not worried about it. They just want to get us out of the Middle East any way, shape, or form. And the Bidens are falling for that. I'll give you the last word, sir. Yeah, Iran is in the saddle events with Joe Biden. Joe Biden is on the back foot, as he has been all around the world, in Ukraine, in Afghanistan, with China. He is allowing other, other nations and other people, anti-American countries, to take the initiative, to yeah. seize it from him. And because he's so scared of escalation, he doesn't understand that the surest way to uh, gain peace is to be strong and willing to hit back when you get hit. Yes, sir. Thank you, Senator Cotton. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you, Larry. See you soon. All right, folks, um, switching gears. Very good op-ed piece, uh, heaven forbid, by an economist the other day in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, John Cochran's been on this show. It's called Incompetent Elites Make Trump Look Appealing. Well, they should. Basically, I just say everything's broke in America. Joining me now to talk about it is Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, media and politics columnist, and um, Monica Crowley, former assistant treasury secretary and host of the Monica Crowley podcast. I made the cut on the podcast, finally. Yes, you like did. And teeth. Joe has also been on my podcast. Well, well I expect that, Joe. You get in <laughs> before I get in. Um, John Cochran writes a really interesting story. This is a theme of mine. been talking about it. America's broke. Biden administration's broke. Biden administration has made America break down. But, I mean, it's a stuff. We talked about foreign policy, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Ukraine. Um, we could talk about health care. We could talk about Obamacare. We could talk about the FBI. We could talk about the Russian hoax. We could talk about COVID. This is all stuff that, uh, that um, Cochran wrote about. We could talk about censorship, schools, universities, dysfunctional immigration, needless to say. Even with Trump, 91 felony counts, which is a complete joke, disqualifying from the ballot. And then, of course, in economic terms, we're talking about it with Steve Moore, uh, just a moment ago, too much spending. I mean, yes, the economy is stronger, but it's all government spending. So what is, what is, everything's broken, Monica. Mm -hmm. Now, on Ronald Reagan's birthday, I don't like that one bit because Reagan showed us how a country in decline can be rescued. Yes, That's the key yes. point, is and it not? It, he was the optimist. Well, yes, and it can always be turned around. I'm a happy warrior and yep. an eternal optimist, as I know both of you are as well, so it can be turned around. But it's going to require a distinct change in leadership, strong leadership, 
President Trump to take the reins once again. Consider the economy. Donald Trump turned around the U.S. economy not once but twice. Once after eight years of a stagnant economy under Barack Obama when he first came in, and then the second time after COVID, this unprecedented crisis where we shut down the U.S. economy, he brought the economy back so he can do it a third time. All of this, that, that column by Cochran is excellent, mm. but I take issue with his description of incompetent elites. That the regime folks who are running the country into the ground know exactly what they are doing. They are not incompetent. Otherwise, you would have seen a course correction in policy over the last three years, and you have not. So all of these policies from the economy to the border to everything else is 100 percent by design, and it's not managed decline. It is now accelerated decline. Well, Joe, you know, yes and no. I mean, I... I don't know if the elites deliberately... I mean, they just have a point of view. It's become a far-left point of view. It's mm -hmm. kind of a wokey point of view. We've talked about this time and time again. But I think the key point is people want some strong, tough person to fix it. And that is, I think, tailor-made for Trump. It's not tailor-made for the current president who spent 40% right. of his presidency while on vacation, right? The elites part certainly is correct. I mean, this is not your daddy's donkeys anymore, right? As far as the Democratic Party used to be about the working man and woman occupy Wall Street. Now they are the party of elites. And it's illustrated this week, East Palestine, Ohio. No. Joe Biden is going back there to say, hey, guys, it's 370 days later. What can I get for you? Yeah. Right. He avoided going there and he's called Scranton Joe. Yet he is the president who is the ultimate elitist. Think about where he goes on every major holiday. He goes to an opulent estate of a hedge fund billionaire, mm. whether the home is in Lake Tahoe, whether it's in uh, Nantucket. It does not matter. I'll give you this stat. And this really underlines it and, and sends it home. The 10 richest congressional districts in this country are all represented by Democrats. Democrats. Exactly. It's I the knew party that. of the rich now, Larry. I knew that. Party of the rich. Well, that's right. Uh, you know, going back to Reagan's birthday, I mean, Reagan was the first one to really bring the working folks in. As I said, he filled their lunch pails to overflowing, and he stood up to Soviet communism and whooped them. Uh, no two people are the same. Trump is Trump. Reagan is Reagan. But I think the revolt is there again. It's a common sense revolt. People... People don't like to see the country broken. Schools, universities, the military. You know what? I, the FBI... We used to, I thought we were supposed to really love and revere the FBI. So, uh, Look what they've done. I, I would go back even further, being a Nixon girl. I it knew was this actually was the Nixon Democrats, right? So that Nixon actually started the working class. If he hadn't destroyed the, the economy, Party. I would have agreed with well, you. Well, uh, on gold and, and, <laughs> yes, and wage and price <laughs> controls, you're exactly right. But Nixon is the one who started to bring but in working law and class. order. Law and order, exactly. Beat the commies. Yeah. Tough yeah. American leadership. Yeah. What is happening now is so much worse than what we saw going into Richard Nixon's presidency or going into Reagan's presidency. America is literally hanging by a thread because this is the tipping point of decades of this Marxist assault on the country. We've now reached the logical end. That requires tremendously strong American leadership, not traditional establishment GOP politics, no, no. but a real Drain disruptor like Donald Trump. Joe, quickly. Yes. Do you think that the average family working folks believes that America can be turned around and regain its greatness? If you have the proper leadership and direction. Right. Yes, absolutely. They have given up hope. No, we're, we're an optimistic country. And this for election part. may be about that. 
Yes. And that's what Donald Trump needs to drive home. Optimism that a better day is coming. Shining city on the hill, hope yeah. and change under Obama, make America great again. Those are the slogans that win, not that guy's Hitler. Vote for me. Oh, God, good point. That is a great point. Thank you. Joe Concha, Monica Crowley, and Monica Crowley's podcast, which I'll never see the light of. Oh, God. Stop. Coming up next, federal appeals court reject Trump's immunity claim. This is District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. Guess what? Needless to say, Mr. Trump couldn't disagree more. Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett is going to parse through it and try to explain it to us. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back on Monica's podcast. All right. Federal District Appeals Court in Washington, D.C. has rejected former President Trump's immunity claim. Uh, obviously, the Trump camp uh, completely disagrees. Joining us now to parse through it for a few moments, my great friend Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Uh, Greg, so they, the court did what it did, and I'll read you quickly um, from uh, the Trump camp, Steve Chung. If immunity is not granted to a president, every future president who leaves office will be immediately indicted by the opposing party. Anyway, that's their position. I'm not the lawyer, but you're a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Well, I did read the 57 pages, and I do think there are some real flaws in the D.C. Circuit Court of Opinion. Uh, for example, it claims that Trump has become citizen Trump. That's a quote. So he has no immunity. That's not what this is about. That's not what the former president is arguing. What he's saying is that his actions as president in challenging what he believed was a flawed election were consistent with his duties to uphold the law. Now, he may have been mistaken in that belief, but that doesn't erase his intent, an essential element of the charges against him. And the law allows him to challenge results in court. And in fact, he is not prohibited from working with others to contest the certification of electors on January 6th. My goodness, Democrats, Larry, have done the exact same thing in prior elections. Somehow it's criminal when Trump does it, not when Democrats do. Uh, and as to the point Trump was making today, you know, the court dismissed the notion that taking away immunity would have a chilling effect on future presidents. <laughs> Let's yeah. tap our common sense. Inevitably, it would. Just about every president uh, would now have to uh, vet every decision by a team of lawyers mm -hmm. so he doesn't get charged when he leaves office. Do we want lawyers to be commanders you'll in never, chief and not the president? Right. You'll never make a decision. Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. Does, uh, uh, Greg, doesn't this goes to the Supreme Court, does it not? Yes, it goes to the Supreme Court. Uh, and of the cases which the Supreme Court accepts from the D.C. Circuit, Roughly 70 percent are reversed. That's the good news. But the bad news for Trump is the high court doesn't take many appeals, less than 10 percent from the D.C. Circuit Court. So the question is, is this going to be different? It could be, Larry, because this is an unprecedented prosecution. It would dramatically affect future presidencies. And at stake is the separation of powers and immunity protections, which, by the way, judges and members of Congress have. But the president doesn't have. No. Uh, ten seconds, Greg. Uh, Chutkin, the trial judge, she's postponing the whole thing anyway, right? Well, but uh, if, Just if the Supreme Court doesn't take action, then it gets back it on back. track. But there are pretrial motions, Larry, and those consume many months. And you're up against a deadline, the DOJ policy, right. not to 
take legal action to affect an election. So I'm, this- up, I'm up against the deadline. So American freedom and greatness. Ronald Reagan restored both. Today is his 113th birthday. And no one better to talk about it. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.